Welcome to the Final Draft Great Conversations podcast. Today's great conversation is with Elodie Cheeseman. The Final Draft Great Conversations podcast is all about books, writing, and literary culture. I'm Andrew Popel. Every week I broadcast Final Draft from the studios of 2SER in Sydney. Final Draft is dedicated to exploring Australian writing, from debut authors to household names. Every week we look into the issues that drive our storytelling and help you discover more from the books you love. These are the stories that make us who we are. 2SER broadcast from the lands of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, and I'm recording on the lands of the Darug and Gunungurra people. I want to acknowledge the traditional owners of those lands, unceded lands. I want to pay my respects to their ongoing connection to their lands. Elodie Cheeseman is a Sydney-based lawyer, and she'll be joining us today with her debut novel, Love in Theory. Romy is a graduate lawyer. Her work sees her taking a deep dive into the relationships that corporations have with their employees, and Romy's finding that often... These relationships look more like intimate romantic partnerships than anything she's got on her personal calendar at the moment. Romy's parents worry she's not dating. Her mates think she's got a type. Maybe he's even being a bit picky. And Romy wonders if the guys that she is interested in are setting her relationships up to fail. When she's introduced to the ultimate stopping point theory, she wonders if maybe there's another way to go about finding the one. Romy has to apply ruthless legal logic to relationships in her work, so why not try a little bit of that algorithmic thinking to her non-existent dating life? In part two of this great conversation with Elodie Cheeseman, we are going a little bit deeper in the mathematics and algorithmics of optimal stopping theory, as well as looking more broadly at the way our relationships are really the central concern of our life. Join me as we discover Elodie Cheeseman's love in theory. Love in theory, um, you know, we, we, we're sort of set up to expect maybe something that will fall into the, the sort of loose romance genre, and there are definitely those elements to it. But what really emerged for me is that you were actually writing this really insightful, very open discussion about relationships, and you explore relationships so broadly and widely, and I, I do want to get to that, but you... We keep coming back to the maths, and I know you've, you've sort of warned that it can get a little dry, but I just think it is fascinating because we, we have, we already have algorithms working throughout our lives. We can't go near our phones and devices without an algorithm, you know, trying to weave its way into our life. Dating apps have tried to use our data to find the one, as long as you know that one's within a certain kilometer distance from us. But there is a problem with any sort of algorithm, any sort of equation, and it kind of goes um, it kind of goes along the lines of garbage in, garbage out. You know, if the data you're using um, is not good data, then you're not going to get a great result. And that relies on each of us being able to be honest. do you Do you feel like Romy, oh, sorry, Romy is able to be honest enough with herself, or was that a was that a process for her? to be able to put the good data in, to know truly what she's feeling and what she wants? I think it, it took Romy some time. And there is a, a scene in the novel where she has to be really honest with herself and reflect on her past relationships and consider why did those relationships go sour? What was it about what I was looking for and how I was filtering people that led to me being with people who who ultimately weren't right to me and didn't treat me so well and I think that's absolutely true what you say about 
garbage in, garbage out. And one of the theories that Romy employs is this idea of three traits, which is, I mean, just kind of working through the, the probability of, well, if, I, if I'm looking for these traits in a person and if I want them to be in the top whatever percentile of these traits, how many people does that actually leave me with? Um, but in working through that, she has to prioritize traits. What does she really need and what's going to be good for her in a relationship? And that does require a lot of honesty and for her to think about um, past past choices where maybe she was beguiled by you know, attractiveness or um, confidence or things that maybe don't lend themselves to a considerate and um, loving relationship. And that was I'm, – I just want to keep talking about the algorithms because – when when they adjust maths, it can you are right, it can get dry, it can get boring. But when we when we see that so many of our behaviours are, are ruled by these kind of heuristics that we just have in our brain, um, it, it becomes just infinitely fascinating. And one aspect of that kind of data driven model of dating, and I, sometimes it can be so hilarious is the way that the kind of aesthetic advertising that people do for themselves online and in the book we haven't talked about James but um, we'll just we'll just mention that James is another character who's in the picture um, and there's a bit of discussion Romy has a bit of discussion about how James kind of leans heavily on his height as a selling mm-hmm. point in his in his dating profiles um, and you know this is this is something that I think anyone who has even a passing uh, a passing sort of interest in things like Tinder will notice. Other men may rely on other measurements. But this this idea that there are these aesthetic advertising points, what do you what do you think about that kind of that way of putting ourselves out in the dating world? It feels like it only suits a certain kind of interaction. Yeah, I mean I suppose it, it depends what you're what you're looking for. Um I mean we shouldn't shouldn't pretend that everyone who's on dating apps is looking for um, long-term relationships. And, and I mean, that a lot of these apps people do go on and maybe physical attraction, um, that is higher up on the, the list of what they're looking for. So if someone's going to, it, it, in that way, maybe it's helpful if people are advertising themselves in terms of their physical traits and that's what someone's looking for, then that's a good filtering mechanism as well um, but I think I mean it's just it's quite important when someone's on an app and I, I, I mean I know this from my my own experience that um, you kind of have in your mind what, what is it that I'm looking for and if what you're looking for is um, something maybe a more substantial relationship um, that you try and somehow winnow out those people and maybe that's about reading a bio or, um, okay, you'll have to have a conversation with them and, and figure out if there are those um, those kind of traits and compatibilities um, rather than just going by the washboard ads and, um, yeah, advertisements about the height and those kind of things. Sometimes you just need a hand getting something down from the top shelf. <laughs> 
there is. I'm, right. If you haven't, if you haven't discovered yet, there is a great Instagram uh, called Tinder Translators, which which I love when it pops up in my feed because this person takes relatively superficial Tinder bios and kind of puts it into real language for people, and it's kind of you know a. Uh, a, a warning, watch out, this is what this person really is looking for. Um, and it's endlessly fascinating. It is also just the way that we we are seeking to kind of structure these otherwise chaotic moments because by putting a set of a set of ideas, a set of facts, a set of values out, it feels like we're we're communicating what's important. I wonder if in any way it kind of shorthands what then happens in the relationship. If we feel like we've disclosed what needs to be disclosed, how that, how do you think that works then for communication within the relationship? Do you think some people might rely on, well, I told you these things about me going in. What did you expect? Yeah, I'm not too, not too sure about that. Um, I suppose it just, it depends on the, depends on the, the people and the, the relationship. But, yeah, I think you're absolutely right that we've always used these shorthands for, to kind of signal who we are and what we're, what we're looking for. Um, and of yeah, course- I, I'm, I'm sure people, people do use that. They, they would say, well, I was up front and this is who I am and this is – I mean, I've never pretended to be anything else, so – what did you expect? And the flip side, of course, is also true. And this is this is just light teasers for love in theory. But if we take that presentation as as being the sum and total of the person, we don't leave ourselves a lot of room to see them as something else. To see um, to see change. To see maybe maybe something that they just didn't feel comfortable showing us until we got to know them better. Which, which of course, is is just always the most amazing thing about relationships, that they're not static. And, again, just one of the most amazing things about love in theory is, like, we Romy is looking for someone, but what we find in love in theory is Romy going through this, this period of profound existential change as she sort of, you know, we, we begin with her making this incredible choice that something about her life has to change. And that, I mean... I mean Many of us don't have a, make that choice once, let alone, you know, several times in their life. That maybe I need to rethink who I am and do some do something different about my life. Yes, definitely. Um, and as Romy is going on, she's made this decision about well, something needs to change in my romantic life if I'm going to find someone and if I'm going to settle down with someone at the optimal time. Then I, I need to get serious and I need to start meeting people and um, getting out there. At the same time, she's going through that in her work life, trying to figure out, is this where I want to be? And so she's just started as a, a graduate lawyer and it's something that she always thought that she would go and do. And she is experiencing quite a lot of turmoil in that realm as well. Um, so a lot of, lot of big choices for Romy to make. And so you've gotten to one of my favourite things about this book, after the algorithms. So, I mean, we're going to have a lot of literary maths people loving this interview right now. Um, but to bring in to bring in the lawyers, <laughs> I loved the way you, you kind of juxtaposed Romy's 
um, romantic quest with these vignettes of the cases that she's working on. And I was fascinated by those relationships that you portray in Romy's casework because many of the the employment disputes that she's getting involved with and sometimes even the relationships that are happening within the firm, they display aspects of loving relationships from from jealousy, longing, loss, even even kind of a sense of an abuse of that intimate relationship where one person has more power and is is using it. And it really made me think, you know, we as we spend our lives maybe looking for or affirming that we've found the one, which, I mean, you, you can't even say the phrase the one without uh, thinking of, of that kind of romantic love. Do we exceptionalize love in that way and forget that all of these feelings exist in all of our connections? Yeah, I thought that the employment law context was a really rich area to explore relationships because I mean that's true of life whether whether you're trying to apply mathematical theories to love or whether you're employing legal structures and, and principles and ideas it, it's it's all to human relationships and these complex interactions that we we have so employment law in a way is just um, it's another example of overlaying those structures and maybe we try and organize that by way of employment contracts and um, other kind of regulations but but ultimately we're dealing with really messy messy human relationships um, so I thought it was um, quite interesting to be able to use that as an avenue for Romy to get an understanding and an insight into relationships as well as just through her her friendships and her her romantic quest it was interesting to me maybe it's maybe it's because she's still a relatively junior lawyer maybe it's just who she is but Romy could never let go of the human connection and there was a really telling moment where she's she's constantly advocating for what she sees as right even if the the way the law is sort of moving in the in the discussion, in the argument, isn't following her line of thinking. And she's told by her boss that if um, – her, or her immediate boss – that if, she, you know, you do this long enough, um, you stop seeing the people and you just see the law, the application of the law, which I wasn't sure if you meant this as, as almost like a cautionary type of tale, but it felt like it could be applied in so many situations, including in that kind of algorithmic – um, dating kind of scenario where, you know, if you do this long enough, you, you forget about the people and you just see the traits, the the, the data, the, the three important areas, and you forget that there is a person. And, and that brought me back to the ideas of that spark that Romy's friends kept telling her about. Um, it was just, it was such an interesting juxtaposition between those legal vignettes and, and Romy's broader story. Thank you. And yeah, I think that there is a real cautionary element to that. I think most people, I mean, in any, in any job that you do or, or anything that you undertake, if you, if you do it long enough, there is a risk that some of the humanity could be lost or, or you just become a bit inoculated to something that in the beginning might really have affected you. And maybe that's a bit of a defense mechanism as well. I mean, when it comes to dating, for example, 
maybe it's easier to just rely on on data and um, conceive of people on Tinder as um, you know just profile pictures because otherwise it's too emotionally exhausting to invest each person with their backstory and you know full spectrum of humanity in order to cope and kind of get through you just need to I don't know put up a little bit of a bit of a barrier and um, see them in terms of numbers Um, so that's something that I think Romy struggles with a lot when it comes to her work and also something that she grapples with when it comes to dating. We are discussing Love in Theory. It's the debut novel from Elodie Cheeseman. And I don't care if you want to go in just for the vicarious walks around Sydney, go in for the romantic story or for this incredibly insightful look at the way we conduct our relationships in our everyday life. I absolutely was thrilled and loved reading this book. Elodie, thank you so much for taking the time to um, to get into even, even some of the drier parts of uh, the mathematical world with me today on the show. Thank you so much, Andrew. It's been a pleasure. Um, I probably could have just gone, you know, maths the whole time because I think it's I think it's so fascinating the way you applied it, and and also the ways that it it maybe doesn't quite fit. Um, I really enjoyed what you were doing with that. Thank you. It was, um, yeah, really interesting. I, I, I completely resisted the urge to, um, to ask whether you were drawing any of this from your, your life, but it, it kind of struck me as we were talking about the, uh, I'm sorry, and I absolutely, I just adored the way you kind of presented the little legal vignettes because they, I, I, how, how hard did you work to craft where those moments would go in Romy's larger story? It was definitely a process. When I first started writing them, they just, I mean, I just kind of came out with them and it was all very disorganized. And then it was really only in, I think, the structural edit stage when I was looking at it more critically and seeing how those particular instances could line up with some moments in um, Romy's romantic life that I, you know, had to be a bit more, a bit more organized and, and think a bit more critically about it. So I did try and make sure that there was some um, cohesion and that each of those moments that they gave Romy some some insight and um, reflected what was happening outside of the workplace. It's interesting too because, I mean, I think we've we've been conditioned, we've been trained through popular legal narrative to look only to the most horrific, the most violent, the most kind of, you know, car crash scenario um, legal argumentation is that's the that's the the legal story that is going to hold our attention. But, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't need to tell you, you wrote it, but the, the really fascinating stuff comes in these seemingly small moments where, you know, like a, a, a boss who really doesn't want to let go of the employee that they, they thought they were grooming in a... In a, in a particular way for a particular role and it you know becomes almost like that that parent child relationship that is just it's just absolutely gripping uh, were you were you ever tempted to flesh them out more or is there maybe another book where some of these relationships can get explored more yeah possibly I think that it's a a really fertile area because I mean as you say there's 
I mean, there's a story behind each of these cases. There's a, a full, full lives and a lot going on. So definitely I could see those kind of cases being expanded into something more. Um, but also, and I mean, you, you asked how much of, how much of the book was drawn from my own life. Um, I'm a full-time lawyer and, um, definitely I took inspiration from, from my own life. Um, but in writing the book, I, I wanted to bring some of that in. Um, but I also wanted to, in writing the book, have a bit of escape from, um, my day to day work. So I'm, I'm keener to, explore maybe the romantic relationships and some of the uh, more fun areas than necessarily delve too much into the law, but we'll see. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was really interested in that intersection of the two because as I, as I kind of kept coming back to what looks in, what looks in, um, in sort of theory, sorry, I'm trying not to use the word that's literally in the title, (laughs) what looks in theory like a very, um, you know, sort of romance-driven book has all of these incredible, um, you know, insights into relationships. And when we think romance, we tend to do that to the exclusion of all other relationships. And, I mean, it's a completely ridiculous, um, you know, break between this whole, whole idea. I mean, a romantic relationship is is one often not even the most important relationship. Um, I, li- I even liked, I mean, there's sort of, even in your ending, there's there's a little bit of a, a teasing kind of Jane Austen or um, or even even just a, you know, yes, reader, I married him type of element, but you, you're in your magnificent hunch. <laughs> Mm. Well, thank you. No, that's okay. I mean, that I'm glad. Well, I'm glad. Thank you for thanking me because saying something like that, I if you if you were not a fan of those books or if you were thought I was pigeonholing you, I guess that was probably um, a risk I was running. But I liked the way you played with those elements. Thanks very much. Cheers. Well, I should let you go. I'm sure working from home, you've probably given Friday got a whole lot of stuff you've got to get by uh, get done by close of day, but. Um, <laughs> I really appreciate the time that you've taken. Thank you so much, Andrew. That's it for part two of this great conversation with Elodie Cheeseman. Elodie's debut novel, Love in Theory, is out now from Pan Macmillan. If you missed part one, it is available on the podcast. Great Conversations is recorded on the lands of the Darug and Gunungurra people. The show is produced and presented by Andrew Popel. Stay in touch. We are on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Just look for at Final Draft 2SER and subscribe in your podcast app. There will be a new great conversation and a little bit of bonus for you every week. I'm Andrew Popel. I will be back next week with more great conversations from Final Draft.